It's time to eat. What are you hungry for? Sit down and get ready to consume an abundance of fantasy football knowledge from Ross Tucker and Joe Dolan. Feed me now! I'm starving! On the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast. Yeah, let's eat! It is the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast, and it is presented by FantasyPoints.com. Just make sure you go ahead and use that code FEAST so that you can get the discount on all the great content at FantasyPoints.com. I can't believe it's Week 17 in the NFL. I'm Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman. I think most of you know that. At Ross Tucker NFL, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We have a YouTube page now. It's awesome with the highlight clips and full episodes of every show. YouTube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. You can always follow along with all of the different content we've got for you. At Ross Tucker Pod is the social media handle for Twitter and Instagram for all the various podcasts. I'm joined every week on the Fantasy Feast podcast by Joe Dolan. He's one of the co-owners of FantasyPoints.com. He's an absolute rock star. I love the Santa Claus hat. At FG underscore Dolan. You can only see the Santa Claus hat that Joe is wearing if you check us out at youtube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL or you check out the social media clips that we post to at Ross Tucker pod. Good morning, Joe. How are you? Good morning, Ross. Um, it's uh, uh, I'm un- I'm amazed that we made it this far. Um, I'm thrilled we made it this far, quite frankly. I'm excited to for some playoff football because, quite frankly, I can sit down and enjoy some playoff football um, without having to focus on 16 different games. Uh, but Week 17 still here. Um, if you play your championships in Week 17, we're going to try to help you. If you play DFS, that's going to be more of the focus of this podcast because even more so than our typical pods uh, when we have to wait later in the week for some injury situations. Not only do we have to do that this week, but teams that might be resting starters, teams that might be shutting guys down. Um, we already know Kansas City's not going to play at starters. So it, we we have a lot of scenarios like that. We don't know how teams are going to handle the new playoff picture just yet because in the olden days of 2019, there were only six teams that made the playoffs in each conference, and there were two buys. Obviously, if you guys have been living under rocks, uh, there is now only one buy per conference, and seven teams have made the playoffs. Now, the question I have is, from that perspective, does that encourage teams, fewer teams to rest starters, or does that encourage more teams to rest starters? For instance, is there a tangible difference in the way Buffalo and Pittsburgh are going to handle the number two and the number three seed in the AFC, especially when you don't have nearly the home field advantage in the year of 2020 that you did just a season ago. So there's so many questions about that that are frankly unanswerable. Our team's going to be doing scoreboard watching. All those things have to be taken into account when you play fantasy in week 17. It's a good point, Joe. Um, And I, I think there's a lot of DFS stuff we need to focus on. I, I want to make the point as well, and I should have made this point last week. This is a year-round podcast, so this is the last week where we'll have two episodes. Starting next week, it's just once a week. But we're all in on DFS Week 17, DFS in the playoffs. And then I think it's really fun, the off-season shows, Joe, where we bring in guests, we get strategies, things that they learn from the season – 
We start to look at some of the draft prospects. We talk a little dynasty at times. We start talking about different players for next year, then just free agency. I always feel like I learn a ton during the off-season shows. I know a lot of people just listen to Fantasy Feast during the season. Well, who should I play? Who should I not? I, I get it. But I, I happen to enjoy the off-season stuff a lot, and I feel like I learn a lot. So really looking forward to the, the playoff shows and the off-season shows. Let's start, though, with Week 17. And DFS uh, primarily. There aren't very many people that actually have seven, week 17 as part of their season long, are there? Yeah, it's I, – I don't know the exact number. Um, I would say it's more casuals um, who might be listening to this podcast. Maybe you maybe you learned about fantasy from this podcast. If so, welcome. But uh, I would say maybe 10% of leagues – Maybe like, I don't think it's, I don't think it's much more than that. Um, and, uh, oh, you just look at my Twitter mentions. Hey, Dolan, thanks for, uh, everything this year. I won my championship or I got Camarad guilty, by the way, I got Camarad in many leagues. Uh, and, uh, I'm on the receiving end of those just as much as you are. And then, oh, Dolan, you idiot. Why'd you tell me to play Jalen Hurts? Like, you know, uh, knowing my Twitter mentions, I would venture to guess most people's championships are over already. (laughs) All right. Let's do Falcons and the Bucks. Falcons and the Bucks. We'll start there. One of the Sunday one o'clock games, Joe. Well, you look at the way the Buccaneers played last week, and they are they have some momentum now. And and Tom Brady was a league winner. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, even Antonio Brown. Um, although they can't win the NFC South, so there has been some talk from. Uh, from Bruce Arians, hey, are we going to rest starters? And he was a little, he was a little back and forth. He was waffling on it a little bit there uh, for uh, for uh, at the beginning of the week. Uh, apparently, he said uh, Monday, Tuesday that that's not going to happen. They're going to play their starters, and I think part of the motivation for Tampa Bay is you want to get that NFC East champion. You you want to be the five seed so you can play the four seed, which is going to be the NFC East champion. And Tom Brady's hot right now. Uh, he's thrown eight touchdowns to no interceptions over his last three games. That includes 390 and two touchdowns against Atlanta in week 15. So I would think Tom Brady, unless we get maybe updates later in the week, that they're going to do some scoreboard watching. And if it becomes evident that they're going to be locked into that fifth seed, that they're going to they're going to sit guys down. Tom Brady, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown, Gronk, all these guys in play for you uh, for DFS. Keep an eye on the backfield. They think Ronald Jones might be able to be back this week. They absolutely want to make sure they're the five seed to play the NFC East champ. There's no question. Although, I would be a little bit leery of Brady against that Washington defense, but we could talk about that if it gets to that point. They're not losing to Washington, bro. I mean, oh, I, I, don't, I don't know saying, if they're going to lose to Washington, but I don't um, know if Brady will put up numbers in that game. Yeah, that's a good point. All right, what about the Falcons on the other side? Um. Just, uh, hey, good good on the Falcons for almost beating the Chiefs. I don't know where that came from, Ross, to be completely honest with you. But, um, yeah, it's not pretty right now. I can't imagine why they would have Julio Jones playing in this game. I really don't. Um, I would think they're going to shut him down. Calvin Ridley, I th- the guy just puts up numbers each and every week. Good on Hayden Hurst for getting involved. But the backfield is a disaster. Um, 
Matt Ryan is a DFS kind of dart throw. He's going to be contrarian because nobody's going to want to play him. But he did put up good numbers against Tampa Bay a couple of weeks ago, even without Julio Jones. And Russell Gage uh, is somebody who's in the uh, in the mix as well. However, um, it was really kind of nasty. If you had Russell Gage or Calvin Ridley watching Laquan Treadwell get in the end zone last week, he now has two touchdowns this year, and they were both disgusting for fantasy purposes. Okay, uh, the next game on the docket, we've got the Cowboys and the Giants, potentially for the NFC East Championship. Yeah, this is uh, this is a game where uh, either team here with a victory would win the division if Philly beats Washington, which is certainly in play. Um, the Giants, though, might have the worst offense in professional football right now. I think I said that a couple of weeks ago. Daniel Jones, without his mobility, is a bad quarterback. And there are some who would argue with his mobility he's a bad quarterback. But I can certainly tell you without it. There, there's just no juice here whatsoever. I guess Sterling Shepard's come to life a little bit, and Dallas can give up numbers in the secondary. Did, ignore what a big mess Philly is, and we'll get to Philly. Um, Dallas can give up numbers in the secondary. Um, so Sterling Shepard, if I'm playing a wide receiver here, he's going to be the guy. Golden Tate has been injured. Darius Slayton has been doing absolutely nothing. And, of course, Evan Ingram is on the radar as well. It's just these are contrarian DFS plays because there is nobody going to be screaming from the mountaintops that you got to play the Giants this week. I can guarantee you if you play anybody from the New York Giants, you're going to get somebody at very low ownership on the DFS sites, and maybe you can create some leverage by doing that. For instance, Sterling Shepard, with nine catches for like 77 yards and a touchdown last week, that would have been a heck of a guy to have at low ownership on a DFS slate. Good point. What about for the Cowboys? Andy Dalton looks good, Joe. He does. And like, this is what Dallas signed Andy Dalton to be. They signed him to be a high end backup quarterback in the event of an injury to their starting quarterback. And that's what happened. Um, the one thing I would, I would just temper expectations a little bit. That Philly defense was undermanned. It was abominable last week. Now, Michael Gallup goes nuts. Well, Michael Gallup's going nuts because Philly is, is throwing a, a project out there at cornerback, Michael Jacket. And then uh, I thought I thought it was funny. I said on air on SiriusXM, I said to my co-host Paul Kelly, I said, Paul, Paul's like, man, this guy Jacket's getting toasted by Michael Gallup. What, where's Darius Slay? And I said, here's the problem. If they put Darius Slay on Michael Gallup, then they're just going to get toasted on the other side with Amari Cooper. And that's exactly what happened. They put Slay on Gallup, and then Cooper's toasting the other guy. So um, the, the Giants are not as easy a matchup. James Bradbury could do a shadow here. Pick your poison. I would guess that the Giants would put him on Cooper and think that they're going to have a better success against Michael Gallup than the Philadelphia Eagles did. C.D. Lamb came to life a little bit. But this is a harder defense to face. The one thing I will say, how about Ezekiel Elliott? He set a season high in both rushing and receiving yards against Philadelphia. A large part of that, Fletcher Cox went down and out. This is a tougher defense to face. However, the Giants got gashed on the ground last week by the Baltimore Ravens. Different beast, but maybe Ezekiel Elliott becomes a little bit of a an appealing DFS option here for the Dallas Cowboys. The Cowboys are three-point favorites on the highway in this game. So that indicates that the markets think they should be playing from slightly ahead. Jets at the Patriots. The two win in a row Jets against the six and nine New England Patriots, Joe. 
the New England Patriots, man. Uh, Ross, uh, you watched that game last night. I mean, what what's your what's your take on Cam Newton's future? I don't think he has much of one. Um, I, I'll say this: they, they struggle at receiver. They do. Um, Cam is not the ideal quarterback for that situation, but they really come across as a team that's more than a player or two away. I mean, if they get another generational quarterback, then I'm sure they could cover up a lot of their other ills. But you're starting to realize Brady was able to cover up some things the last couple of years. I think Tom Brady's doing a little smirking as well uh, with this uh, because, I mean, this is a disaster. Now, I don't think Brady would be putting up numbers with this receiving core either, so let's be fair to Cam Newton in that regard. Um Sony Michelle, maybe. I, I guess Jacoby Myers. Uh, we'll see if they start Stidham this week. If they start Stidham, you're going to see him. You're going to see some DFS nutsos playing him in a low percentage of their lineups just in case he's able to go off against this Jet secondary. Um, I don't really see it from Stidham. I don't see it with these receivers. Even in this week, I like the New England Patriots are just persona non grata for me. I just don't want anything to do with them. I guess Sony Michelle in the backfield, but as you saw last week, that Jet run defense against Cleveland and Cleveland with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt couldn't run football on the New York Jets. What do you think Sony Michelle is going to do? I mean, Damian Harris, if he plays, uh, it, it, it's depressing that the New England Patriots are this bad on the offensive side of football. We just talked about the New York Giants having perhaps the worst offense in the league. I think the Patriots are right down there with them. On the other side, the Jets, they're not very good either, though, Joe. No, but Jamison Crowder, he's got some juice and, uh, uh, Ross, uh, the Jets fans, I feel so bad for these guys. At the very least, you're 0-13. You're 0-13. And now you're heading into week 17 and you have a 0% chance at the number one overall pick. 0-13 to a 0% chance at the number one overall pick in two weeks. 2020, uh, guys, you could be whatever. You could always be a Jets fan. And uh, my, my buddies out there, I... You know, I grew up in southeastern Pennsylvania. I lived down the shore um, for a while. So I, I knew some Jet fans, good people, great people, great fans, knowledgeable fans, passionate fans. This team just keeps punching them in the groin. I mean, it's unbelievable. Jamison Crowder's out there throwing touchdown passes uh, to, to Braxton Berrios. Sam Darnold is still not very good. Um, but look, I... I think the Jets have a decent shot to run off a third consecutive win here to end the season and just add further uh, insult to injury for their fans. Keep an eye on the backfield. What's up with Frank Gore? Um, not that I'd want to be playing LaMichael Pirine uh, in this game. P- LaMichael Pirine, Ross, even if you drafted only Pirines, LaMichael was way ahead of Samaje in my preseason rankings. Samaje's blown him away this year. So I went 0-16 in my Pirine only leagues. Uh because I, I drafted the wrong P Ryan. Uh, he hasn't been very good. Jamison Crowder is the guy here who I'm who I'm gravitating towards. The way they use him, he had a 14 yard carry. He had 92 receiving yards and a touchdown. He had a passing touchdown. I think he's a decent option for your DFS lineups for sure. And in season long, he's a wide receiver three. Vikings at the Lions, Joe. We know the Vikings have some firepower. They have some firepower, but uh, they get fired on. Uh, Mike Zimmer said this is the worst defense he's ever coached. Well, Mike, you should probably be looking in the mirror because your son's the defensive coordinator. Um, they're seven-point favorites, though, against Detroit. I, I mean, why, 
I guess, you know, Daryl Bevel's out there saying, hey, I should have a shot at this job. We're going to play Matthew Stafford, but Detroit's going to sh- – you have to think they're going to shut everybody down. Chase Daniel is going to be the quarterback for Detroit, in which case uh, it's hard to play one of these guys because, you know, Marvin Jones had been red hot. Well, Matthew Stafford goes down, Marvin Jones catches three passes for under 20 yards. So Minnesota, you would think it's a good week just for them to have Dalvin Cook go out there and put up big-time numbers. The Minnesota's done. They can't make the playoffs. Just pad the stats with Dalvin Cook, Adam Thielen, Justin Jefferson, and a tight end, somebody who's really come on of late. He was one of my favorite best ball guys. Didn't really happen until the late, late quarter of the season, but Irv Smith scoring two touchdowns. All these guys are in play for DFS. I think Dalvin Cook's going to end up being one of the single most popular plays on the entire DFS slate, and I anticipate these running back, these receivers, rather, with Thielen and Jefferson, maybe a sprinkling of Irv Smith, are going to be popular as well. And then, in that regard, you can put Kirk Cousins in your lineup, too. Okay, uh, they're playing the Lions. I don't know. I mean... Is Stafford playing? I, I don't know what to do with these guys. Yeah, I, I would guess Stafford doesn't go at this point. Again, you have to look at these things, and sometimes we use logic and teams don't. Um, if I was the ownership, I'd say, I'd phone down there and say, I know you're trying to coach for your job, Daryl Bevel. There is no way you're playing Matthew Stafford in this game. Like, what? there's no utility for the Detroit Lions. They could just get him further injured, and and that and that – mucks things up for multiple reasons. Number one, you're trying to find another GM and a new coach. Matthew Stafford is your most valuable player. If you decide you want to maybe trade Matthew Stafford, well, teams are now looking at him. He's gotten hurt a couple of times. He's he's gotten injured the last couple seasons with the back. Now he's out there. He's playing through injury this year. Are you knocking his trade value? Are you knocking his value to the organization if a coach wants to come in there and say, hey, I want to build around Matthew Stafford? All th- kind of things can go wrong. Daryl Bevel, I anticipate, wants to win. The problem is they are just so shorthanded across the board. Um, it is a bad Minnesota defense, though. They just gave up six rushing touchdowns to Alvin Kamara. You might have heard that. So I think DeAndre Swift has some juice. I think he's going to get the ball in this game. But the receivers, uh, I mean, just awful last week with Chase Daniel and David Blau in there at quarterback. Danny Amendola led them with 37 yards. The next game, Joe, it's the Steelers and the Browns. It's uh, probably the one of the best 1 o'clock games along with the Dolphins and the Bills. Steelers and the Browns, very curious to see how the Steelers play this. Uh, right now, in fact, they're not even – there's not even a lineup huh? for the – oh, no, yeah, there is. The, the Browns are favored by seven points at DraftKings. Yeah. Which tells you they're not expecting the Steelers – to play a whole lot of their guys. I will say this about DraftKings. You can celebrate this year's college football playoffs because DraftKings is giving all new users the chance to bet on any semifinal team to win the championship at 100 to 1 odds. Let me just tell you, I'm not giving advice, but you might want to consider betting on Alabama at 100 to 1 odds. Plus, the basketball season's going. We've got the NFL playoffs coming up. Here's what you need to make sure you do if you haven't already. Have some fun like Joe and I do in 2021. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code ROSS when you sign up to get 100 to 1 odds on any semifinal team to win it all. That's code ROSS for new players to get a shot at $100 on any semifinal this week. Limited time. 
only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. New Jersey or PA only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right. Steelers, Browns, Joe, go. 42.5 point over under. Uh, seven point favorites for Cleveland, as you mentioned. This tells you Vegas thinks and the books think that Pittsburgh is uh, going to be resting its starters. Maybe Pittsburgh decides, hey, we finally got going in that second half against Indianapolis. We locked up this division title. We don't see any tangible difference between the number two and the number three seed. We're going to try to bottle up that momentum and head into the playoffs healthy. Um for DFS, keep an eye on this. You can maybe get some low ownership, low price plays at receiver with somebody like a James Washington or a Ray Ray McLeod. In the backfield, maybe the rookie Anthony McFarland. They can't run the football anyway, but uh, James Conner and Benny Snell might be resting here. Um, I wouldn't be terribly enthused to play Mason Rudolph if he ends up playing most of this game at quarterback. But those are some of the guys that you can look at for low price. I wouldn't expect these guys to carry your lineup, but it might give you the opportunity to put in some of the higher priced guys, maybe from the NFC playoff picture where, you know, New Orleans and Green Bay and Seattle are all battling it out for the number one seed. Get some of those higher priced guys in your lineup because, uh, Pittsburgh is anticipated to rest the starters. The fact that this is a seven-point line after Pittsburgh came back against Indianapolis and the Browns choked on themselves against the Jets, that tells you all you need to know about what the expectations are for the Pittsburgh Steelers in this game. What about the Browns? They're getting their receivers back, Joe. What do you think they do? 53 pass attempts against the Jets. So my question is, did the Browns think – Coming out, first and foremost, all year long, teams have been treating the Jets as a pass funnel defense. Like, we, we're going to throw the ball on the Jets because their run defense is good. Well, the run defense was clearly good. They shut down Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Um, I would think that they're that the Jets were stacking the box. Teams do stack the box against the Cleveland Browns. That's what teams do against them. Uh, and then Kevin Stefanski's like, we're going to come out, we're going to throw it. The problem is they had no receivers to throw the ball to. I do know one thing. I would not have wanted to be around Jarvis Landry on Sunday because that guy must have been absolutely heated because he had never missed a game before and he, gets, and he misses a game because of contact tracing. I would think Jarvis Landry is going to come out on a mission in this game against Pittsburgh, especially if Pittsburgh's not playing at 100% of of effort or with 100% of their players. Man, do I like Jarvis Landry this week because I think he is going to be PO'd, Ross, absolutely livid about what happened last week. And all I know is an angry Jarvis Landry is somebody I don't want to mess with. Will I put him in a lineup, though? 100%. What about... um... The next game, it's the Ravens and the Bengals. Don't look now, Joe, but the Ravens are looking like the Ravens. Yep. You know, we were a, a month ago, I was telling you, Lamar Jackson was one of the single worst value draft picks of the season, which he kind of continued to be because of what you would have passed up on. But they are running the ball effectively. Lamar Jackson is throwing the ball efficiently. It is exactly the way they look last year. The offensive line is starting to get in sync. I think that was a big problem for for, uh, the Baltimore Ravens. And, I mean, I hate to say it because Mark Ingram has been a good player for a long time, but how much of this is coinciding with them just removing Mark Ingram's role from the offense, allowing J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards to get into a groove? In fantasy, we can almost always deal with a two-man running back rotation. Three man, it gets dicey. And I think a three man rotation gets dicey because it's dicey for NFL teams. None of these guys can get into a rhythm. 
I remember when I was talking to Adrian Peterson a couple of years ago, he talks about like, it's, it's almost like you're in a jam band or something, but right. Like you have to, you have to play off of the drummer and the bass player, the speed you have to get, you have to get your comfort level down. That's the way a lot of these running backs feel, and I think the Ravens lost their way in that regard. They have found their way. Of course, J.K. Dobbins is now dinged up. He's got a chest injury. He came back in that game against the Giants and didn't receive another carry. Um, We have to monitor his status. I do wonder if the Ravens just decided there's no way they're coming back in that game. That game could have been 127 to 13 as opposed to 27 to 13. Uh, There was no tangible difference for me because the Giants weren't coming back. They, they had no threat at all, and the Ravens played it right. So I would think the run game is going to be very important here. The Ravens are at 11 and a half, 12 point favorites in this game. Um, see what, what's up with Dobbins. Maybe you rank Gus Edwards a little bit higher this week, just knowing Dobbins is banged up. But I think Gus Edwards is a really good play against this Cincinnati defense. And Hollywood Brown, all of a sudden, my favorite best ball wide receiver. Thanks for the first three months of the season, Hollywood. Now you're, uh, moving me up from like eighth place to sixth place in my best ball league. So thanks a lot for that. Uh, but he's come alive, and this is a Cincinnati defense that got shredded by Brandon Cooks last week. How about for a contrarian play, <laughs> Samaj P. Ryan or Brandon Allen or T. Higgins? Uh, I don't know if I can compare the Houston defense to the Baltimore defense. Like, I don't even think they're playing the same sport. Um, Brandon Allen showed you he's got some juice and you know this is one of those guys who uh, at the end of the year Brandon Allen's playing for his future in the NFL Brandon Allen's like dude if I put good tape out there I might be in the league for three more years and that's significant for somebody like that so you know he's playing hard Um, if I'm playing somebody from this team it's probably going to be T Higgins Um, Gio Bernard's come to life of late so maybe you can throw him in there and contrarian. How about seven catches for 66 yards? Um, P. Ryan against the Raven defense, somebody who, uh, I, I mean, he's still more of a plotter. I look at what he did, 136 yards from scrimmage and two touchdowns against the Texans, and I'm like, yeah, but it's the Texans, and that defense is non-competitive. I would anticipate this is a much harder go of it for the Cincinnati Bengals. Last game here in episode one, Joe, it's the Dolphins and the Bills. How short is Tua's leash going to be? Uh, extremely. The Miami Dolphins need to win this game if they want to make the playoffs. And now, we are currently looking at the opposite with Buffalo and Pittsburgh. Buffalo controls its own destiny. So I think Vegas is looking at this like Buffalo's going to play at start if Buffalo's a four-and-a-half point favorite here, which I think is... Maybe a little bit shorter than it would be under normal circumstances, but not significantly so. Um, so what what that means is they would have Buffalo probably favored by two, a point and a half uh, on a neutral field right now, which says to me they think that Buffalo is probably going to play at starters for at least part of this game. Um, we'll get to that. If Miami wants to win this football game, Ryan Fitzpatrick needs to be the starting quarterback. And I... I understand that the Dolphins are in a very tough position here, okay? Because ostensibly, Tua Tonga-Vailoa is the future. And ultimately, I think Tua's played all right. But he's a certain type of quarterback who I think very much needs big-time weapons around him, and he needs to be able to process and get protected. And you know what? That that's There are very few quarterbacks who... Maybe the guy on the other side is one of them and Josh Allen who can overcome a bad situation around him. But 
Tua is not an exceptional physical talent. He doesn't have a big arm. Um, and right now he's throwing to, you know, Jakeem Grant got hurt in that game. He's throwing to uh, Mac Hollins and Isaiah Ford. And Ryan Fitzpatrick has been, been through this rodeo longer than Tua has. Ryan Fitzpatrick doesn't give a crap. He's going to throw the ball up to these guys. Tua, maybe he's not afraid to make a mistake, but he's going to be more mistake uh, he's going to try to avoid mistakes a little bit more than Fitzpatrick. And Fitzpatrick at the end of that game, just like, crap, they're putting me in here to give us a spark. I got to do something. Meanwhile, he's getting his head ripped off and he's throwing bombs. Um, but if the Dolphins want to win this game and they want to go to the playoffs, the decision's obvious for me. You start Ryan Fitzpatrick. If Tua's going out there and he's dinking and dunking to Miles Gaskin and Gesicki, they're going to pull him. And... It's tough for me to look at this situation and say two was the better option. Uh, it, it's just bizarre. I don't. I can't tell you the last time I saw something like this. Miami's currently slated to pick top five because they have Houston's draft pick. Do they take a quarterback with that pick? I don't know. Like it's it's bizarre what's going on here. But I understand Brian Flores. Like they're ahead of schedule. Tua is not. Is that Tua's fault? Not necessarily. But if Devontae Parker can't play, even – well, I mean, even if Devontae Parker plays, Fitz is the better option if they want to win the game. But if Devontae Parker can't play, I don't expect two of the numbers to look much better than they did last week when he completed 17 passes of 22 attempts but for just 94 yards. It's a really bizarre situation. But if you're playing somebody from this team – um, Gesicki, I think, is a good option because even Tua had started to develop a relationship with him. But Miles Gaskin looked awesome last week for Miami, and he was somebody who, in his return, won people a lot of fantasy championships. Yeah, he did. The Bills on the other side. Are they going to rest their starters? Now, Bu- Buffalo does does control its own destiny, but, you know, against this Miami defense, it's going to be a tougher. I, like, if you're playing in a championship game, I don't know how you avoid playing Josh Allen or Stefan Diggs, and maybe you just eat it, eat eat the chalk. Um, but it's potential for the running backs, Zach Moss especially, and Devin Singletary, to be a little bit more important in this game than they have been in weeks past for Buffalo. Especially if Buffalo scoreboard watches, sees Pittsburgh is resting its starters, and decides to take the foot off the gas pedal. Buffalo's a team I want to read about later this week, see what their, their thinking is. But it's entirely possible they play their starters in the first half and then take their foot off the gas pedal in this game. Episode one in the books, episode two, nine more games. And this is when the games start to get really juicy. It's the Fantasy Feast podcast. Make sure you're checking us out at FG underscore Dolan, at Ross Tucker NFL, at Ross Tucker Pod. Second episode will be posted after midnight. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Feast podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Even Money, Business of Sports, and the College Draft. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found.